welcome to Scaling the Summit, Radio Gold Style. Your host, Charity Bryan and Sandra K. Sims. I am your technical director, Ginger Aaron Brush. Let's get started. Welcome from the National Academy of Health and Physical Literacy to our Voices of the Academy webinar series. Today, we are so excited to have Dr. Mara Simon with us. Mara is Assistant Professor in Physical Education and Health at Springfield College. And just to give you a little background, uh, Mara received her uh, undergraduate degree from Hamilton College in Clinton, New York, her Master's of Education from Teachers College in Columbia, uh, Columbia University, also in New York, and her Doctorate of Education from Teachers College, Columbia University uh, in New York. So Mara, welcome and thank you for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, we're excited. And uh, Sean, would you please introduce yourself to our audience? Sure, my name is Sean Latta and I am professor and chair in the Department of Kinesiology um, at Manhattan College in the beautiful Bronx, New York. And I'm also the co-chair of the Equity, Diversity and Inclusion Committee of the National Academy of Health and Physical Literacy. So I'm thrilled to have Mara here today to um, give us some insights related to culturally relevant pedagogy in health and physical literacy. Thank you, Sean. And uh, I'm Charity Bryan, the president of the National Academy of Health and Physical Literacy. And uh, Mara, we're just so excited. So please uh, go ahead. Great. All right. Well, thank you both for having me, as you said that. Um, so today, this session, right, is going to focus on culturally relevant pedagogy and not just what culturally relevant pedagogy or CRP, as it's abbreviated, not just what it's about, but rather like how it can be used in spaces that aim to cultivate health and physical literacy. So we're going to learn about it, but we're also going to learn how to apply it and use it. So before we get into, you know, the depths of what CRP means and looks like, I think it's really important to have some background context for why we need CRP when we do work in spaces that focuses on health and physical literacy. I've chosen specifically today to focus on school contexts, even though there obviously are plenty of other areas that cultivate health and physical literacy as well, but school tends to be one of the predominant ones and it's where a lot of the research is. And so I'm thinking about school context for health and physical literacy. So let's take a look at some of our teacher and student demographics, which is really the backbone or the crux of my argument for why we need culturally relevant pedagogy. So to start, we know that US public school demographics have shifted really, really rapidly. So less than 10 years ago, like when I was starting out, the number that was thrown around was that 35% of pub US public school students were students of color. 10 years later, that number has gone up to over 50% of students in US public schools are black, indigenous, and students of color. That's a big shift in a short amount of time. It might also be worth, if you're watching this, doing um, a quick Google search to see how your state, you know, your area, your region, your district matches up with this national trend. It's usually pretty easy information to find. Now, in stark contrast to today's student population, our teacher population is approximately 80% white and female. 
And this number has not changed really since like the late 70s or early 80s, which is when we saw um, the full impact of the 1954 Brown versus Board of Ed decision come to fruition. So it took about schools about almost 30 years, 25, 30 years to fully desegregate. And with that desegregation came a notable loss of teachers of color. So really since then, like 40 plus years, we're seeing this very stagnant teacher population that's not changing. Because physical education encompasses both health and physical literacy, I've pulled some statistics on PE just to give us a sense of what's going on in PE. And arguably, these numbers are gonna be pretty similar for health education, for after school, for sport. Like when we have sort of people in charge running these programs, these classes, these um, like, you know, things that generate or aim to generate health and physical literacy, they're pretty similar here because they're often, there's so much overlap. So we don't really have actual racial demographics on, for example, PE teachers. But we know, for example, that pre-service PE teachers or teachers who are students who are going to become PE teachers are 83% white. So that matches up pretty well with the national statistic. Um, we know, for example, that the SHAPE America Teacher of the Year Award, one of our national organizations for health and PE, as of 2020, there had only been one teacher of color award recipient. When we look at PE teacher education or PEAT, um, we see that PEAT faculty are overwhelmingly white again, and that PE and PE teacher ed really have been documented over and over in the research and scholarship to be lacking in cultural relevance and really reflecting whiteness as status quo. So all this to say that when we have almost entirely white teachers, coaches, you know, um, program directors, things like that, and a student population that is rapidly diversifying. It seems really clear to me that culturally relevant pedagogy should be centered within spaces that cultivate health and physical literacy in order to address potential discordancy between white teachers teaching students of color. So that's the justification for why I argue we really need culturally relevant pedagogy in spaces for health and physical literacy. So what is, you know, culturally relevant pedagogy? What, um, you know, what does that mean? How do we define it? What, what do we already know about it? I asked a group of teachers this question earlier. It was a large group of PE teachers. And the good news was that many of them could at least recognize the term, they gave some great responses about what this term means, that students should be able to see themselves reflected in the curriculum or in these tasks, the activities, the challenges, the, the games, whatever they're doing, that the space should reflect the students, and that families and communities are included, celebrating who they are all the days of the year. So I'm wondering for Charity and Sean, do you have anything to add to this list or any other ideas of what culturally relevant pedagogy might mean or look like, or how you might define it. Hey, Mara, hey, I'll, I'll start real quick and just say that um, we have an initiative in Louisiana to uh, starting in the high schools to try and identify specifically um, young black males that may be interested in going into teaching. 
Um, you know, our, our education numbers in terms of majors are down uh, all over the state, regardless of, of area, right? So history, physical education, math, elementary, doesn't matter. Um, but this has actually been uh, really, um, I think, rewarding and valuable outreach to, to try to capture um, these young black males in high school and say, hey, teaching is a, is a field that you might be interested in or really good at. You know, you can teach physical education, you have the opportunity to coach, you can teach health. Um, and so I, I have felt like that's a very valuable, it's, it's time intensive uh, and it uh, requires resources, but I, I'm very hopeful uh, that that will be a strategy that pays off uh, sooner rather than later. Sorry, Sean, go ahead. That's all right. Um, I think, you know, today more what people hear on the news is critical race theory. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, you know, it's a good opportunity. Um, I think it, you know, it, there's connections to culturally relevant pedagogy. And so I think it's important for our, our educators to be able to explain what's critical race theory and how does it connect to culturally relevant pedagogy. Excellent. Okay, so we can talk about that really quickly. First, Charity, to your point, I wanted to note that like research does tell us that, no surprise, teachers of color are more likely to enact culturally relevant pedagogy and feel more confident or self-efficacious self in their ability to do so. So it is certainly to everyone's benefit to try and diversify our teacher population. That is absolutely a way to bring culturally relevant pedagogy into the into spaces, say, of health and physical literacy. Sean, in terms of critical race theory, so we're hearing a lot about this, right, in the news. I mean, states have like taken steps to even ban the teaching of it, which um, is on, you know, maybe a little bit ludicrous because it's actually like a theory for law school students. Um, so if you're teaching it in sixth grade, then you've got some very advanced learners. But cultural relevant pedagogy does relate to critical race theory. So critical race theory is a way of looking at the world that argues that race is extremely salient, that we cannot take up a colorblind perspective where we see everyone equally because it ignores structural inequity that specifically places people of color at you know, disadvantages across, you know, societal levels. And so if we look at the world from this lens saying, no, race is important, there has been structural inequity embedded in various social structures that has led to, you know, disparate outcomes for specific marginalized groups. And we use that lens to look at education. Suddenly there is no more disparity gap. We're not closing, you know, gaps. We're trying to understand and problematize our curriculum, our pedagogy, our practice as not being, say, relevant to, to students of color. And so there is this direct link in the idea that we do need to address racial injustice in PE, in health, in physical areas of physical literacy. This is an important space where we can work towards equity but we first have to acknowledge that it exists. And then we have to make switches or changes or, or new lenses to our pedagogy to be able to do that. And that's where culturally relevant pedagogy comes into play. So critical race theory in essence informs culturally relevant pedagogy. It's a way of looking at the world that when we apply it to teaching, suddenly culturally relevant pedagogy makes a lot more sense. Do you feel like that is how that sort of gets at what you were asking? 
Thank you, Mara. I think that's real important. Thank you. Awesome. Okay, so let's let's try and break down culturally relevant pedagogy. Now, this is a framework that comes from Dr. Gloria Ladson Billings, who is a professor of education in Wisconsin, um, and it's one form of this approach to teaching, right? Thinking about how to, you know, sort of bridge the gap between white, say, white teachers and students of color in particular ways to empower marginalized groups to be academically and emotionally successful in their, their growth as students. So you can see on the slide, we've got culturally relevant, responsive, sustaining pedagogies, and I'll, I'll cover those really briefly in a second. I usually tend to focus on culturally relevant pedagogy because it has three very specific ideas or tenets. And so when I feel like I know those three, I can then take concrete action steps in my own practice to make sure that I am also enacting culturally relevant pedagogy. So Dr. Latson Billings starts with academic success, right? Or the belief that like all students have the potential to be successful, you know, in whatever they're trying to do, whether it's a sport, whether it's a class, whether it's an after-school program, we see students as having potential to be successful. And this is really important because it disrupts a deficit approach, which usually relies on stereotypes about certain groups of young people's behaviors and learning abilities. So in the, that disruption is a really important part of culturally relevant pedagogy, that all students are capable of academic success, however we define it, right? Because in spaces of health and physical literacy, we don't do necessarily traditional academics, but we still have standards, we still have ways in which we decide whether students have mastered, learned, you know, are capable of engaging, say, in physical literacy or in health practices. So we start with academic success. And then Dr. Ladson Billings argues the second one is cultural competence. So anything within the space, you know, in teaching, in PE, we might look at our, you know, teaching and curriculum, after school programs, we might look at the content as a whole coaching all of these sort of spaces of health and physical literacy, um, the content needs to be culturally relevant. And this means that students not only should see themselves and one another as, as we saw on this slide before, but it's about you know, being able to understand one another's cultures. And culture includes not only like food, you know, dress, customs, but it also includes deeper, more sort of ideological things such as norms, values, um, you know, the ways in which we understand the world. So it can also include customs, you know, leisure activities, dress, but it's thinking a little bit deeper about culture. And that in doing so, when we bring, when we understand all of culture and what our students are bringing into this space of physical literacy, it then leads to deeper, more authentic and more engaged learning. So that's cultural competence. Now, finally, Dr. Ladson Billings argues that teaching cannot be culturally relevant unless there is a social justice component. And this is the piece that stops a lot of um, you know, practitioners, a lot of teachers, a lot of coaches, a lot of after-school leaders, right? Um, this is a way to help students critically understand dominant discourse and where or how they are located either within or excluded from this discourse. So it's about helping students to be able to critique things that are widely accepted as being true and understanding how they might benefit from this discourse 
or um, you know, be underserved, marginalized, or excluded. Okay, so that's sort of the framework that I tend to use for culturally relevant pedagogy when I'm saying, am I, I want, you know, this class or this lesson or this task to be culturally relevant. I'm trying to make sure that I have all three of those components in there. Now, just to give you a quick, um, a quick plug for Dr. Ladson Billings, Billings's books, they, I would really recommend them to anybody. They're, they're really accessible. Um, they are not like, they don't really use academic jargon. They're very sort of enjoyable reads, almost like a novel. And uh, they're very relatable. And I, I think very easy to apply sort of key concepts to your own practice. Now, full disclosure, this third one, asking a different question came out within the last month. So I actually haven't read it, but I've read the other two multiple times over. And I actually use one of them in my class on culturally relevant pedagogy in PE. So if you want to try and engage with this idea a little bit more in depth, highly recommend any of those books. And as I mentioned before, there, you know, this framework by Gloria Ladson Billings is not the only framework out there. There are other ways of thinking about this approach to like diverse student populations and how we can engage with them in culturally competent, responsive, sustaining ways. So we have culturally responsive teaching by Geneva Gay, culturally sustaining pedagogies by Django Paris and Samuel Lim. And then we have one here that I've included, which is specifically aimed at physical and health educators teaching about social justice issues in physical education. And this one is great because it is specifically aimed at teachers with like lesson plans, you know, ideas. It's very practitioner oriented. So those are some other resources that if you wanted to learn a little bit more about this, you could check out. And so there, there are resources out there in order to help you become more proficient in not only understanding culturally relevant pedagogy, but also engaging in it. So we sort of have given you a little bit of an overview about culturally responsive pedagogy. So let's shift, let's apply it now. Let's see what this you know, looks like or means. Because theory is great, but you know, what does it actually look like in a space that cultivates health and physical literacy, such as a PE class? So I wanted to start, this is a real life sampling um, of a teacher that I know. She was an elementary PE teacher for many years. Um, and these are some of the things that she does in her class that I would argue meet the criteria for culturally relevant pedagogy. Um, she, she is an extraordinary teacher. You'll see more in, a, in the next slide. Uh, and she's, you'll hopefully see some publications from her soon because she's a doctoral student at Springfield College, but I met her before she came to Springfield. And so, you know, you start to see um, things around the ideas maybe of cultural competence and academic uh, success, right? These expectations around what students are going to be able to do with a lot of differentiation so that everyone can be successful. So that and visuals are really important for this as well. If you look closer at some of these images here, you'll see she had students outside planting trees. She, um, you know, had students thinking critically about gender, about what, you know, sort of stereotypes about boys and girls were, and yet where that, uh, Venn diagram overlap there. She was really um, good at linking the idea of movement to activism. And so 
she helps students understand like movement in PE, but also what a social movement is and how they might overlap. You can see in the next slide, she led, um, she actually led like a protest for climate justice with her students. So these aren't typical things that we might see or do or hear about in PE, but there's ways to incorporate movement in them that also help students engage in culturally relevant ways, which I think is really important. Um, so let's look at another example. So this is um, for, come, this example comes from an upper elementary, probably grades three through five, uh, school fitness unit that I co-designed with a colleague in the UK. Her name is Dr. Shrihan Lynch. And this was intended to help students engage in fitness activities but also deconstruct some implicit messages around fitness, particularly around the idea of strength. And so we use these images of Jessamine Stanley, who is a well-known yogi, um, to address how fitness you know, might exclude or, or unintentionally exclude certain body types and to explore like all the myriad possibilities of what a strong body might look like. Because these images right here do not fit sort of the yoga stereotype, right? Yoga culture is usually like a very slim white woman. And here we have somebody whose body doesn't look like that, yet she's engaging in some really like difficult yoga poses that take a lot of strength and a lot of flexibility. So using things like images to help students think, you know, a little bit differently about what fitness might mean to them. Another part of this unit was a handout with images helping students, um, you know, think about strength, not only physical strength, but also, um, you know, like mental strength, right? And, and fortitude. So if you look at these images, you'll notice a wide diversity in race, age, um, you know, ways of moving and gender. So we tried to have like this really diverse um, representation. And then there was, you know, accompanying questions and um, guide sort of reflection guides to help students come to new understandings about strength. And now make no mistake, there was fitness activities included in this unit. But many of the teaching strategies, um, like really sort of veer away from the more traditional uh, PE, you know, sort of psychomotor focused pedagogies. So things like drawing, journaling, image-based discussion, teacher reflection, those things we don't necessarily see that much in spaces, you know, people who engage in spaces of physical literacy and health. And I would argue that that's really a key to fully engaging in culturally relevant pedagogy is in, in our field, in this space of physical literacy, is being really reflective about what we're doing and using other tools that are frequently used in other subjects or other spaces of learning. So that's one idea. So another example that I think is or a great unit to or space of physical literacy to inc incorporate or enact culturally relevant pedagogy is in dance. So I'm gonna start by sharing this uh, short video on Misty Copeland. So let me bring it up. Dear candidate, thank you for your application to our Valley Academy. 
Unfortunately, you have not been accepted. You lack the right feet. Turnout, Achilles tendons, and leg and torso length. You simply have the wrong body for ballet. With your body, you could be a professional dancer in Vegas. And at 13, you are already far too old to be considered. Those who have the body and the training still most will never make it. Okay, we'll stop there. So, Sean and Charity, I'm wondering if you might jump in here for a minute. Can you identify, you know, how that video might be used, say, in a PE class or in a dance, a, you know, a dance um, studio or after school program, like, how might we use that video to start a discussion that could be culturally relevant? Can you, can you make the connection between those three tenets of culturally relevant pedagogy and using this video as a starting point towards that? What do you think? I'm going to let Sean go first this time. You know, as I was watching it, Mara, and I'm listening to their critique of this individual, and it just seems so like disjointed. I mean, what are you talking about? I'm looking and I'm seeing this athletic, talented dancer person, and all I hear is just criticism and saying no 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 excellent yeah and so we might ask students that like what did you hear in that video did that seem right did that seem fair did that seem accurate right and so helping students come to understand well like what does a, a, a perfect ballet body look like right they said your body is all wrong well okay when we think about it who is a ballerina like probably somebody really slim and white. Misty Copeland was the first principal female ballerina in the American Ballet Company. And that wasn't that long ago. First black, I'm sorry, first black principal um, female ballerina in the American Ballet Company. And that I think was less than 10 years ago. So we can use that video, right, as a starting point for helping students who might want to do ballet or they might want to do other types of dance, but maybe they don't feel like it's for them to actually be thinking critically, well, maybe it's not me, maybe I, my body is fine, but maybe it's ballet, right? Maybe I can do this if I want to. And so helping students on the one hand, critique existing discourses, see people who look like them doing these activities that maybe for a long time were considered, you know, not for them. Um, and then on the flip side also, 
we might bring in dance that is relevant to our students' backgrounds and culture. So that brings me to this third bullet point. Like even now in PE, when I think about dance, I think about square dancing, which is still done in a lot of curriculum. I mean, it was when I was in high school, which wasn't that long ago. And so that probably begs the question, you know, what dances am I including? Does it match my students' cultures? Can I bring in their families to come demonstrate traditional dances that, you know, reflect their heritage, their culture, their ethnicities, things like that. So you really sort of flip this traditional dance unit on its head to try and help students critique dominant discourse, but also find ways that they can do dance that are meaningful and authentic for them. So it's a very different approach. It's very student-centered and it's helping them to say, yes, I can do this, find ways to do this that reflects their culture, their community, their families, and also say, it is not right how, in this case, ballet has been understood and viewed and normalized. So we've got those three components in there. Another example um, is, is martial arts, which we see in spaces of health, you know, cultivating health and physical literacy a lot. And so I wanted to bring up this idea of capoeira, which is a Brazilian martial arts form. Um, in my case, when I was a PE teacher, I created a capoeira small unit, like four lessons for fourth and fifth graders that specifically included the history of the martial art form. And you can see on this left-hand side here that capoeira emerged in Brazil from enslaved Africans, right? They used capoeira to hide what they were actually doing, which was like training for combat and self-defense, but they made it look like dance. And it was usually done like in the middle of the night silently. So when students do it now, first of all, they, they do it silently, which is hard for them. And then we talk about this, we talked about the story, we talked about why this dance was necessary, what was going on there, how that might have paralleled some of the history in the US. And so that was very important to understand, you know, where this martial arts emerged from. It, and so not only is it reflecting another culture, um, but it we are sort of starting to think critically about why capoeira exists the way it does. And we should, you should know that like I had no training, no formal background in capoeira. I just like found some YouTube videos and managed to like put together like, you know, a sequence of like 10 routines. So it doesn't have to be super complicated. Like if you don't have this content knowledge, there's still ways to do it where you're, you know, thinking about how to communicate and, and expect academic success, bring in students' cultures and so they can see themselves represented and also help them critique or think critically about dominant discourse. All right, so those are some examples, right? I did fitness, I did dance, I did martial arts. Three that are really common in spaces for health and physical literacy. So hopefully that gave a good idea about how to you know, approach these, these topics from a slightly different perspective. Now, what I'm gonna do here, I'm gonna work us through this slide and then I might ask, Sean and Charity to try and do, apply this to your own practice so that we could hear, you know, what this might mean for you, because not only is this relevant to PE teachers, but, and, you know, coaches and health educators, you know, after school program leaders, all of that, but teacher education, right, where we are in is important as well, sports psychology, all of that. 
So if you want to start thinking about this idea of culturally relevant pedagogy, you first have to think about, well, what content do I cover? Do I know? Do I include in my programs, in my classes, things like that? And like, what topics might I be able to apply this framework to? And then what I'm recommending is starting kind of small and just thinking about like one action step that you could take for each of these three pieces. So from, you know, my own experience, when I was a PE teacher, of course, we did a soccer unit, right? And um, if I was going to try and make my soccer unit culturally relevant, I might first, you know, find ways to make sure that everyone could participate in full. Maybe that's doing a sport education model where students have chances to be coaches, referees, um, cheers, things like that, so that students who maybe don't feel comfortable fully participating in the skills still are included. From the cultural competence level, I might ask students, you know, if their families are interested in soccer, and probably some of them are, we might look at how soccer is understood in other countries, maybe why it's so popular around the world, things like that. Then for the socio-political consciousness piece, I might ask students to think about like the gender discrepancy for example, in the World Cup, um, the women's World Cup team, the national team versus the men's national team, and their, you know, the lawsuit that the women's team brought forward because they were being treated so unfairly. And so that's just a quick, you know, sort of off the cuff example of how I might try to think more critically when I was doing, say, a soccer unit. Now, I don't need either of you to do that, but I'm just wondering, you know, what are you seeing here? What's going on for you? that you might be able to apply or that links to what you do or what you think, you know, PE teachers or others, program leaders might be able to use. Hey, Mara, I'll jump in. Um, you know, two things really uh, stuck out to me and I should have mentioned it earlier, but I didn't want to interrupt you. And it was the great pictures you had from your teacher friend from the gym, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and it was like, it looked like giant, the post-it paper that you just put up on the wall and you, you write all over and you color and it, it occurred to me in those two slides, the level of intentionality that that teacher has put this at the forefront and said, you know what, this is important. I'm going to create a culture in my own gym. Yes. And this is how we're, we're going to do things, right? Um, you know, I think sometimes, uh, you know, there's so much going on when you teach, right? There's so many things you've got to do and be conscious of and aware of and you know, do this and don't do these things. And it, I think sometimes maybe for our students, you know, culturally relevant pedagogy may just sort of be one more thing they have to kind of put on their plate to, to do or to figure out, you know, but if, if you are like this teacher in your slides and you are so intentional that you have visual prompts in your gym or the locker room or wherever, that this is important and this is how we are going to operate. I think it speaks volumes. Um, and that intentionality, this is not going to just happen by magic, right? You know, exactly. we can be as kind and as nice and as welcoming and warm to everybody in the world. That's still very different than the intentionality this teacher has shown, right? So um, that was one thing that really jumped out at me. The second one here on your slide about cultural competence is. Um, you know, I'm, I teach in the university setting and I teach sports psych and we talk a lot about cultural competence. Um, but, you know, we have majors across all areas, right? We have pedagogy, we have health sciences, we have athletic training, 
Uh, we have kinesiology, we have sport management. And, you know, cultural competence for every one of those majors, every major on campus, quite frankly, is so critically important. You know, we are a high touch major, right? Whether we're learning rehab techniques or we're trying to, you know, help a, a kid adjust a technique, maybe in a sports skill or or we, we're trying to work with people in the exercise physiology lab, we are a literal high touch uh, major and group of professionals. And if we are not aware of how things like touch or appropriate touch are um, viewed within certain cultures, we can, we can get ourselves in a lot of trouble really quickly, completely by accident. Um, and that's just one example, but um, those are the two things that really jumped out at me uh, so far. That was I agree perfect. with you. Go ahead, I agree Jim. with you, Charity, in terms of the intentionality. You know, you, you need people to be, um, you know, educated enough to see how important this really is. Um, and if you are an excellent teacher, and I know we have a lot of excellent teachers that are listening, you know, the purpose of teaching is learning. And one of the major um, reasons students say they are more apt to learn from a teacher is because they feel that teacher cares. Mm -hmm. And how better to show that care when you are inclusive and you want every student to see themselves within your classroom. It's, it's very powerful. Um, you know, I connected with being in New York City for many, many years and working with beginning teachers, developing teachers, New York City is quite diverse. And, you know, as a teacher educator, it's so critical for my students to recognize the importance of this and to give them examples and model. Yeah. A number of years ago, you know, we saw that in the curriculum, um, Mara mentioned about square dancing. Okay, and so uh, one of my colleagues had this idea, why don't we try to make this more relevant? And so we came up with actually squaring to the rap. So we taught square dance through rap music using urban slang. We had our students were very creative in coming up with different movements. Um, for example, being in the bus line, you know, catching the subway, very, you know, urban central. And then what we did is we piloted it in a number of New York City middle schools. And it was so well received because there were many students, you know, they heard square dancing. But then when we said squaring to the rap and we explained where square dance came from and rap and how we were going to put these two together, I mean, it was a hit, it was a hit. Um, and so, you know, just giving another example of a practitioner putting it into action and it really, it, it taps into your creativity. Perfect. Being yeah. involved with professional organizations and being a lifelong learner, you'll see occasionally in Joford in strategies that there will be articles giving you ideas. And I found one, Pedica is a Brazilian lead up game that I use now when I teach badminton, when I teach tennis and talk about, you know, where does it come from? Um, so it, it's, you know, another example of how you can, um, you know, incorporate yeah. culturally relevant pedagogy. Yeah, it's really like an awareness about the fact that, you know, 
how your culture, your background, your lived experience might be very different from that of your students. And it's not really about you, it's about them. And so bringing in, you know, things that are relevant to them, communicating that you believe they're capable of success, and then helping them critique, you know, some of these norms that may have, you know, excluded or marginalized them. I think the intentionality thing that you brought up, Charity, is spot on. Because a lot of this doesn't actually look that different from good teaching. And that's actually in um, Ladson Billings book, like Crossing Over to Keenan, I believe, or no, she has an article, sorry, that's literally titled, but that's just good teaching. And so it is, but it's done intentionally. And the piece that really flips it to culturally relevant pedagogy is the third one, is the socio-political consciousness. Because the first two are the foundations, but if you don't have the critique, if you don't help students start to think about things in a new way, then you're sort of maintaining status quo. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I want to encourage everyone. And Ladson Billings herself has like written articles sort of revisiting this idea, noting that this is the hardest piece for people um, and sort of trying to rethink maybe this framework so that this piece isn't so difficult for practitioners. But it is about intentionality, what you are trying to have students do, learn, feel, move, all of that from this particular lens. So thank you for sharing those insights. I thought that was great. Hey, Mar, can I just add one more real quick? Please. You know, in, in physical education or in our pedagogy program here, we are always trying to encourage our candidates to, especially when they're in student teaching, you know, if you know a kid is a soccer game on a Saturday, try to go right? And I think we all do that across our field. You know, as much as you can connect with your students outside of, of school, to me, you can learn more in 30 minutes sitting in the stands at a soccer game, you know, where one of your students is playing, maybe their family or whoever is in the stands. You know, you can learn more about a situation uh, with, with your students, I think, in those kind of environments in 30 minutes, then you may learn all year in your gym, right? And, and I don't know, the math teacher might not have the same opportunity we do, um, you know, to go out and to really get to know kids uh, the way that we can as physical educators. Uh, but I think those opportunities are just invaluable in terms of where is this student coming from? What is the culture that they are in, you know, every day when they leave my school and they, you know, come back in the morning? So, um, those are just kind of, I think, little ways we can also uh, get at an understanding of where our students are coming from, literally, uh, and, you know, psychologically, yeah. physically, all those things. Yeah, I mean, that's here, that's in these concluding slides. That was a perfect, perfect segue, actually, is that, like, a huge component of this is knowing our students' cultures, and that takes time, that takes intentionality it takes effort to try and be like well if I want my you know pedagogy my curriculum my content my tasks my challenges if I want that all to reflect students cultures I need to know what students are bringing with them into these spaces of physical literacy so you find that out I also might want to know like what is meaningful and relevant and authentic to students so you find that out so so much of this is also around challenging our own assumptions and, and thinking about, well, who's really making decisions here, right, in this sort of power dynamic around students and teachers or, you know, whatever sort of space of, of health and physical literacy you're in, and, and trying to give more of that back to the students. That's, a, that's really part of it, is thinking about, you know, who gets to be centered in the pedagogy and in the curriculum. 
And that comes with a lot of teacher reflection. Like you have to be very reflexive as a practitioner in order to be able to do this. It understand, you need to understand your own privileges, your own positionality, you know, places that you benefit from being sort of in the majority versus perhaps pieces of your identity or your culture or your background that perhaps have been minoritized. And so understanding yourself located within the space of physical literacy then helps you be able to better and like further enact culturally relevant pedagogy. And so part of that is asking ourselves like, why is you know, PE sort of status quo? Has it remained unchanged? Why are we so afraid of trying different ways of thinking about it? You know, why are we so focused on team sports and skill work? Um, and you know, what do my students or athletes know and value in terms of physical activity? And then really just like taking the time, the commitment and being consistent about it, saying, I'm gonna do this and you build it from the ground up because it almost always hasn't been done beforehand. And so it's not an easy task because we ask a lot of teachers already, but much of this can be done, you know, in a fairly sort of uh, it, um, easy way if it's done intentionally, just like you said. So that's all I have today. Thank you so much. Do you either of you have questions? Thank you so much. That was absolutely outstanding. Uh, Sean, any questions for Mara? No, um, thank you, Mara. I think it's excellent information and I challenge our viewers to put it into action. And as you said, um, you know, one lesson at a time. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I find really um, it's helpful sometimes to survey your students, mm -hmm. find out some information about them, find out what they want to learn. Um, yes, the teacher is ultimately making the decision, but making an informed decision um, is a better option. I totally agree. Thank you both for for listening and being engaged and and you know participating in the back and forth. Thank Mara, you. Thank you. Yeah, this was outstanding. Very very uh, relevant and timely. And we just appreciate you uh, doing this. And on behalf of the National Academy of Health and Physical Literacy, uh, Sean, thank you for being here with us today as well. And thank you for the work that your Equity, Diversity and Inclusion uh, Committee is doing. That is also extremely important work. And thanks to both you and Andrew Lewis uh, for co-chairing that group. Uh, Mara, do you have a way folks can reach out to you if they would like to follow up? Um, yeah, I do. I didn't put it in the slide, but uh, my email is msimon3 at springfieldcollege.edu. I should have thought of that. Not a, not a problem. But yeah. I would welcome, I would definitely welcome any and all inquiries, you know, feedback. And if you want to learn more about this, I'm really happy to be a resource. Awesome. Thank you. So it's msimon3 at springfieldcollege.edu. You got it. Awesome. Thank you. Hope everybody has a great day and thank you for uh, watching today, Voices of the Academy.